This season of the Curiosity Club podcast is sponsored by Simprove. Simprove is committed to furthering the understanding of the function and role of the gut microbiome by using a scientific approach to developing the most effective bacteria-based product. Put simply, Simprove helps to support your gut microbiome and balance your gut bacteria. What I love about it is its water-based formulation that contains four unique strains of live-activated bacteria. Because of this unique formulation, Simprove will not trigger digestion, meaning the bacteria will arrive to your gut unharmed and in full strength, survive the harsh acidic environment that is your stomach, and thrive in your gut to colonise successfully. Simprove's 12-week programme will give you the best chance of nourishing your gut bacteria and supporting your gut microbiome. The more I learn about gut health, the more important I realise it is. And I'm currently in my 12-week programme and I love knowing that I am supporting and topping up the good bacteria that lives within me. If you want to join me on your own programme, Simprove have been kind enough to give all you lovely curious folk a special 15% discount for a limited time using the code CuriosityClub15. Welcome to the Curiosity Club podcast, a safe place for the real life lessons that we didn't get taught in school. Each season, I have conversations with inspiring experts who share their wisdom around our seven peaks of curiosity. Together, we learn how to break the patterns, habits, and mindsets that limit our potential, hinder our happiness, and impact our well being. I'm your host, life and business coach Katri Barrett, and these are the life lessons for modern humans. You're listening to season two, episode 10, which means we have arrived at the season finale. What a journey it has been exploring all things mental well-being over the last 10 weeks, specifically during this very unique coronavirus experience that we are all in right now. To be honest, it's been an absolute privilege as always to get curious and explore all of the topics that I have with you the listeners for myself diving deeper into all these things and with so many amazing conversations with our experts talking about things from anti-racism to self-harm codependency and addiction behavior and habit change the gut brain connection it has been a fascinating journey and I hope you have learned as much as I have I specifically chose these areas because I'm always curious about how we can best support our mental well-being and firmly believe that in order to do so, we have to dig beneath the surface and look at various aspects and areas of ourselves, our relationships, our communities and our lives. That's why the Curiosity Club exists in the first place, that's why I created it and that's what I help individuals do through my work as a life coach. It's fundamentally what I'm all about. To wrap up season two, I want to end by exploring mental self-care with you all, what it means and how to start practicing it for yourself so that you can potentially prevent mental health problems from developing in the first place or at least stop them from getting worse. So that's what I'm going to be doing today. But first, I have a very, very exciting announcement. We are finishing on a massive high because I have literally just found out that the Curiosity Club podcast has been shortlisted in the best podcast category for the Creative Impact Awards. This is incredibly exciting and a complete honour, I will be honest. It really does mean a lot to have this sort of recognition for 
not only all the hard work that I've put into the podcast, but also for all of those curious conversations that I've had in those solo episodes from from season one with all of you, the listeners, and with all of our incredible guests and the lineup that we've had over nearly the past two years, nearly two years ago. In my process of creating the Curiosity Club and realising my vision, I've had to step out of my own comfort zone personally and professionally. I've learned a lot of new skills when it comes to interviewing, editing, production, organisation of all of these these things and just the podcasting elements in general. So as I said, to have this sort of recognition really is amazing and I feel very, very warm and fuzzy. But of course, at the moment, we've been shortlisted amongst a really incredible lineup of other podcasts. The competition is very high. They are all amazing. Um, but of course, I'll be honest, it would be even better if we won. So for that, I need your help, wonderful listeners. The final result is made up from part public vote and also from a panel of expert judges. So if you enjoy the podcast, then I would be incredibly grateful if you headed to the link in the episode description and voted for the Curiosity Club podcast in the best of the best category under best podcast for the Creative Impact Awards. It only takes a couple of minutes and please do share it with all your friends and family. Voting closes on the 1st of October, so we don't have long to get those votes in. Whilst you're doing so, I'm going to get diving into what I mean by self-care. I suppose in a nutshell, it's all the things that we can all do individually to stay mentally healthy or to prevent mental health problems. For some of us, if we are experiencing such problems, then it can also support us and prevent them from getting worse if they are already there. Sometimes it's not about preventing, it's about just stopping them from sliding down that scale and getting worse than they are. In everything that I do, all the work as, as in my coaching business and with the Curiosity Club, I really want to normalise real, everyday self-care. So that's the everyday habits. What I mean by that is I think too often we see self-care as face masks, going for massages, going on holiday, and therefore too many people see it as a luxury when it should and needs to be all of our priorities. And in order to do this and make it a priority, we need to normalise the real self-care, which is all of the things I'm going to talk to you today about, don't worry. But what I mean by that is the everyday sort of habits that we can start practising. It's little and often that really makes the difference. You don't have to drain your bank account. You don't need to spend hours a day. It's small, regular and consistent actions that can really and truly nurture your mental well-being. And we're going to look at those today. I think before we dive into that, I want to acknowledge that when we're talking of sort of self-care as the umbrella term of looking after ourselves, there's loads of different areas in that. Obviously, we're talking about mental self-care today, but also breaking it up into the different categories, I think can be helpful for when you feel a little bit overwhelmed and you're not sure of the best way of how you can help yourself or make some sort of improvements to how you're feeling or just look after your general well-being better. So thinking of it as social self-care are you building connections with other people are you nurturing your relationships how can you look after yourself with your social self-care physical self-care spiritual self-care emotional self-care you might think of financial self-care and of course 
mental self-care. There's all different areas. I could go on with those. But that's what I want you to start thinking of in different areas so that you don't become overwhelmed trying to do everything at once and therefore not um, being able to do any of it. So today that's why we're zooming in and focusing on mental self-care specifically. Firstly, I want you to think about what your current barriers are to all of those areas of self-care that I just, just mentioned about. Is it that you're telling yourself that you don't have enough time, that it's too expensive, that it's selfish? That's something that comes up all too often and so often with my life coaching clients, we have to work through this belief that looking after ourselves is selfish. When in actual fact, if we want to be there for the people in our lives, be able to look after our family, provide for them, be there for our friends, we can't do that if we are depleted or we can't do it to the best of our ability. So when we are looking after ourselves, we're going to feel our best selves. We're going to feel more confident. We're going to feel more energized. And therefore, we're going to be able to show up at work. We're going to be able to show up for our loved ones. We're going to be able to do so many more things to such a better ability that the last thing it is, is selfish. It's really should be a priority. So catching yourself in all those areas, are you falling into those kind of, um, those, those habits of labeling it as I don't have time, it's too expensive, it's selfish. What limiting beliefs are kind of preventing you at the moment engaging with a self-care practice? And specifically when it comes to mental self-care, are you perhaps falling into kind of limiting thought patterns such as, I don't see the point, I'm always going to feel this way, this is just the way that I am, nothing I'm going to do is going to be able to make me feel better. So that's that first point, is to kind of acknowledge at the moment, what barriers, what walls have you put up towards this, and acknowledging those, and then that's going to bring us on to my first kind of tip and point, and that is developing more of an awareness of your personal, individual, wonderfully unique mental health. All of us are completely different. All of our genetic makeup, all of our lifestyles, all of our life experience and lived experience until up until this point is completely unique to us. Therefore, our mental health and mental well-being is completely unique. So a huge part of your mental self-care is getting to know your unique needs. It definitely is not a one-size-fits-all and it certainly isn't a one size fits all for all of the time. We need different things in different periods of our life, in different periods of you know our cycle if we're women, of different um, times in our life, especially in the last six months when there's massive global challenges in the form of pandemics. We need different things. So get to know your symptoms and the early signs that perhaps you could do with looking after yourself? Is it that you're beginning to feel anxious? Does your sleep begin to get disturbed? Do you start snapping at loved ones? What are your early symptoms that mean you need to do something to fill your cup back up a little bit? Also, what are your potential triggers that perhaps impact your mental health? Is it perhaps um, after you've drunk, drunk a lot of alcohol, maybe taken drugs, if that's something that you experiment with? What is triggering your mental health to be affected or impacted what are those bits beforehand that you can start looking out for and therefore maybe it means adapting some behaviors but maybe as we all know sometimes it we we engage in certain things that aren't necessarily helpful to us but we need to know and get clear and be honest with ourselves what is exacerbating 
your mental health um, sliding scale? What is making, what is impacting your mental health in perhaps a way that you need to be aware of? Lastly, it's to know what also helps you. So is it getting early nights when you're feeling that way? Is it staying away from drugs, not drinking so much alcohol? Is it always making sure you're going out in nature all the time, seeing certain friends? So get clear on what your triggers and symptoms are and also what helps you. What makes you feel good? What fills your cup back up? And communicate this with other people. Is it about telling certain friends that um, when you withdraw a little bit and maybe to them it feels like you're not interested, you don't want to see them, maybe you can say to them that that's a sign that actually you really need them to kind of give you a call. If you're not responding to WhatsApps, can they call you instead? What helps you and how can you communicate that to those people around you? Secondly, to kind of building that awareness of your mental health is to work on your mental hygiene and habits. So thinking of hygiene in all senses of the word as something and a way that reduces risks to your health. So in the same way at the moment we've been washing our hands all the time, physical hygiene to reduce the risk of um, spreading the virus. Think of the same way in your mental hygiene. What habitual thought patterns do you have? What uh, beliefs are you holding? And how can you work on your mental hygiene to reduce any risks to your mental well-being or anything that might be not that might be fueling feelings of uh, lack of confidence, feeling of not good enough, feeling self-doubt, feeling like a failure, feeling lonely? What are you feeling, and how? is your mindset and your thoughts impacting this and so a huge part of mental health hygiene is thought work so getting really clear for you on what thoughts nurture your well-being and which don't when it comes to thoughts always when thought work is the underpinning of everything i do when i'm coaching whether it's life coaching or my business coaching clients if what we're thinking doesn't align with how we want to feel or what we want to achieve or who we want to be it's going to impact how we show up in the world. What we think creates how we feel and how we feel shows and creates how we show up in the world or whether we don't, whether we take action, how we take action or not so. So that's the power of our thoughts. They really create our reality. So the first part when you're kind of looking at thought work is to believe them less especially if they are disempowering thoughts if they're negative limiting berating thoughts coming from that bullying voice of your inner critic believe them less use that awareness to catch them and know that just because you're thinking something just because that voice inside your head is telling you something telling you that you're not good enough telling you that you sh- everyone else is happier than you are that you'll never feel good again all of these things just because you think it and just because you feel it does not make it true. Just because you feel like a failure does not mean that you are a failure. Just because you feel judged does not mean that you are being judged. It's really, really important to work on your thoughts in this way. And that is that first step towards mental hygiene. And the more you address and acknowledge these thoughts, engage with them, disengage with the ones that aren't helpful or true or factual, that's how you can then create new habits of thinking. So another part of this is to become more future focused instead of stuck ruminating in the past. So do you find yourself constantly worrying about conversations you've had, what people thought of you, 
thinking about that time 10 years ago when so-and-so at school hurt you or that ex-partner did this, are you stuck in the past? And is that impacting how you're showing up in the present moment? There is only ever this here, this moment right here, right now. The present moment is all that exists. As Eckhart Tolle says, the uh, past is just memories of the moment and the future is just predictions of the present moment. So really come back to the here and the now and try to be present as much as you can. With every now and then looking forward and thinking, where do you want to be? How can you get there? What's stopping you? Um, but always coming back to this moment. And that's where we're going to come to more kind of practical ways and tools that you can do this in a moment. I think it's really important as well to also talk about comparison and catching those times when you're comparing yourself to someone else. When it comes to thought work, those habits, are you stuck in habitual patterns of thinking where you're constantly comparing your body to someone else? When you're constantly comparing um, your work efforts to colleagues, where you're constantly comparing your business to someone else's, constantly comparing yourself to your ex-partner's, sorry, to your partner's ex these comparison, this comparisonitis actually, that's what I like to call it, is really, really toxic. So catching comparison and just quitting it, work on the thoughts that are feeding it, come back to your strengths, come back to working on your self-esteem, which is going to be my next point to add to your mental self-care um, toolbox, is working on your self-esteem. Ultimately, when we take care of ourselves, it, uh, uh, what we're essentially doing is affirming our self-worth. We're telling ourselves, you deserve this. You're worthy of looking after yourselves. When we don't look after ourselves physically or mentally or emotionally, and we engage in behaviours or habits or thoughts that tell us otherwise, we're saying to ourselves, even literally with our thoughts or subconsciously, that we don't deserve the good stuff. We don't deserve to feel happy. We're not good enough. So as soon as you start looking after yourself in the way that I'm going to take the guess that you probably would do those that you loved, your friends, your family, your partner, whoever it is. When you start taking care of yourself in that same way, you're affirming your self-worth. And this is what is going to nurture that self-esteem. This is what is going to enable you to become more self-compassionate. So being kind to yourself along in the process so if you're catching when you're doing this thought work you're working on mental hygiene if it's difficult if you're maybe not where you want to be quite yet if you're maybe feeling struggling with uncomfortable emotions and the way you're feeling isn't exactly where you want to be and and it's causing and impacting your daily life or how you're showing up at work or your relationships whatever it is Rather than beating yourself up and saying, I shouldn't feel like this, you're useless, you're back here again, I thought that it was different this time. That's where that thought work comes into play. Catching those narratives that you're getting stuck in, thinking of it in terms of mental hygiene, the hygiene that reduces the risk to your health, looking after by being kind to yourself. Showing yourself the same kindness that you would normally save for those you care about most in your life. And what can help here is when you kind of catch those those inner bully thoughts and ta- try, start trying to practice tapping into self-compassion is to focus on your strengths. And writing all of these down, so you've got these in times when maybe it's harder to bring them to the forefront of your mind, maybe even asking friends, family for help on this. 
What are you good at? I guarantee no matter how much your inner critic tells you, you're not good at things or you're not good enough, you need to get better, you need to be thinner, taller, whatever it is, I guarantee that there are many, many, many things that they're negating that you are really good at, that are your attributes, that are your strengths. So create the really long list of these. It can be really, really specific things such as your eye colour, your eyebrows, maybe just your, your fashion sense, maybe the way you communicate with people, maybe you're really good at writing Instagram captions, maybe you're really good at taking photos of sunsets, maybe you're really good at noticing the smell of cut grass. It could be that specific. What are you good at? What are your attributes? And bring those to the forefront of your mind. That is mental self-care in action. Everyday self-action, catching that inner critic when it's bullying you, stopping that voice in its tracks, saying thanks but no thanks, developing new habits through thought work and reminding yourself of all of your strengths, of all of your attributes, because they are worthy and you are worthy of reminding yourself of them. My next tip is to journal. And this, if you've worked with me in any capacity with life coaching or on one of my virtual retreats or challenges, then you know that this is a huge part of what I do. Sometimes, if we need to look after our minds and our mental well-being, we need to get out of our heads. And sometimes those thoughts, that thought work is, there's so much noise going on. It can be quite challenging to kind of just get everything out. So quite literally, what happens when we're journaling, and there's studies to prove this, it can just release the words from your mind onto paper. And that sense of release sometimes is enough to hit pause, to feel refreshed, to feel like you've let this huge weight off your shoulders. So to start a journaling practice, it doesn't mean, I think lots of people kind of have, again, barriers up to this. So notice if when I say you to start journaling and writing down your thoughts, what does that bring up to you? Is there some resistance there? And just get a little curious about what maybe that is, where it's coming from. And to start as sort of journaling tips, just start asking yourself a question. What am I thinking right now? Why do I think this? What am I currently struggling struggling with? Why am I struggling? How does it make me feel? So keep asking those why, how, what questions, digging deeper and deeper. And journaling essentially allows us to get curious as to what is going on with ourselves, why we're thinking and feeling, what we're th thinking, because often this noise and this chaos and this kind of tangled spaghetti of our thoughts in our heads, it's really easy to kind of get, get caught up in that, get caught in the cloud. And within that is confusion, it's overwhelm, it's the fog, I suppose, of our, of our thoughts. And often to find clarity or just to tr kind of clear that fog and find that blue sky again, we need to just get those thoughts out of our head and onto paper. And sometimes that in itself is enough of a release to be able to then feel revitalised. Sometimes we then learn something about ourselves via journaling that we realise we would like to um, go further on, maybe working with a coach, maybe we want to explore um, with a therapeutic professional of some kind, going to a talking therapy or a counsellor, something along those lines. So journaling enables kind of self-discovery and self-growth, but also just simply it can just be a weight of thoughts out of your head and onto paper so really prioritizing regular journaling and writing get a special beautiful notebook put it by your bed or carry it in your your bag around with you just when you're on the commute or 
just five or ten minutes. You don't have to do it for an hour a day, but just regular few minutes at the least just to release things and gain some clarity by getting curious about yourself. The next priority to add to your mental well-being toolbox is to prioritize and nurture your community so that you're strengthening your connections. Think about who it is that you feel most comfortable around, most valued around, who helps you see different perspectives and helps you solve problems and who takes your concerns seriously. These are the people, whether it's colleagues, whether it's friends, whether it's meeting new people or family members or partners, these are the people that you need to prioritise as part of your self-care routine. If you listen to this and you're thinking at the moment, I don't feel like I have enough of these people in my life or I'd like more of these people, think outside the box. Think about where those type of people might be. Is it about joining uh, an online group? Is it, I know I was speaking with a client earlier about um, how Bumble now has a function where you can, or you can meet friends through that. How can you surround yourself with the sense of community, sense of connection? Because when we feel connected to other people, we feel confident and good about ourselves. So it might be nourishing old friendships and connections. Are there certain people that you maybe haven't reached out to in a while? And prioritizing that, not just for them, but for your own self-care. Discovering and looking and seeking for like-minded people who have shared experiences with you. So for example, that might mean if you don't have someone or a network of people where you feel understood, who are people who would understand your experience? Maybe if you're a business owner, could you join a business networking group? If you are someone that experiences mental health problems and you really would like that support and you don't feel like you have that within your current community, there are so many online that you can find via a peer support group, other people who have that shared and lived experience for you. Seek it them out, knowing that if you feel connected to other people, it really, really is going to nourish your mental well-being and make you feel better. A big part of that, I suppose, is brings us on to my next point, which is emotional self-care. So I talked about those different types of self-care, but they're also interconnected. And when we work on one, it will positively influence the other. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. I broke it up into the different areas purely to kind of help, as I said, not feel overwhelmed and maybe having just focusing on one as a starting point, the area that you feel at the moment needs the most work for you that you could do with looking after and nourishing. So when it comes to emotional self-care, what that means is it means that you are acknowledging any uncomfortable emotions that you're feeling and you're allowing yourself to express these feelings on a regular basis is that maybe through your journaling is that through certain particular friends with your partner is that maybe through artwork music whatever it is are you acknowledging what you're feeling and are you expressing them and and putting our emotions into sort of dialogue and tangible words using our logical brain really that's the process that helps us um, process them that is that is how we process our emotions and when we don't do that when we are just sort of feed it feeling them and by doing that often that leads to um either avoiding uncomfortable emotions numbing them using sleep drink drugs alcohol whatever it is to numb what we're feeling that doesn't allow us to healthily process them. So emotional self-care is allowing yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling, acknowledge it, label it, express it either through journaling or to somebody else. 
talk to them about it. And this is what will help you become more resilient. It will enhance your coping skills for all of those times when you might be experiencing emotional turbulence, especially at the moment if you're struggling, but also as a preventative part of, as we're saying, looking after your mental well-being as a preventative measure. Even if right now you're feeling really good by prioritizing these things, it's building that resilience and filling your cup back up for those times that perhaps are a bit more challenging in the future. Taking care of your physical health, we can't not talk about that. Our minds, our bodies, all of these different areas of ourselves are just so intrinsically connected. And if we're not looking after ourselves physically, if we're not nourishing our body with the right food, if we're not getting regular exercise, if we're not sleeping well, it's going to impact our brains, our minds, our emotions. Listening back to Eve Kalinick's episode from this season, all about the gut-brain connection, talking about gut health and the, the really exciting new um, science and discoveries of um, psychobiotics and, and using pro and prebiotics and gut health to nourish our minds is just all so fascinating. So really acknowledging that for yourself. If you're not just looking after your physical body, if you're working on all of these things, you're exercising, you're eating well, you're looking after your sleep, it's also going to impact your mind and vice versa. When you think well, you'll feel well physically, you'll feel more motivated when you work on this thought work, when you have that community of like-minded people around you, you're going to be more motivated to cook for yourself, to get up in the morning, especially as the mornings are getting darker here in the UK, to get out and exercise. All of these things influence and play off each other so, so much. The last and probably one of the most important points that I want to leave you with is to ask for help. It is okay to not be okay. So if you're struggling in any way, a fundamental part of your self-care is being kind to yourself by asking for help. Be that if you're struggling with your workload and reaching out to a colleague to ask for advice or help, setting up a meeting with your boss and just communicating what's going on for you. If you feel like you're getting feeling more anxious, if you're perhaps that's that mental health scale is maybe slipping for you, reaching out to your GP, removing any stigma around asking for help when it comes to our mental health is so, so important. Seeking talking therapies. There's so many different options from cognitive behavioral therapy, from counseling to psychotherapy. What do you need? That comes back nice full circle to that awareness of your own mental health, the signs, the symptoms that perhaps you're struggling and knowing when you can do this on your own. So that's that self-care and when you need external help, if that's just support from friends, family, or is it a support from a mental health professional? There is no stigma. We all need help sometimes, all of us. No one is immune from experiencing mental health problems. And that, I think, especially with this season, season two, we're exploring all things mental well-being. I would love for that alone to be one of your biggest takeaways. There is no shame. There is no guilt. It is okay to ask for help. It is okay to feel and think what you're feeling. You are beautifully unique. This is a human experience. You won't feel it like it forever and you absolutely can make a positive change. So to recap on all of the things to prioritise within your mental self-care toolbox. Number one, awareness of your unique mental health. Getting to know your own unique needs, symptoms, early signs, triggers. 
uh, for times when you know you need to kind of prioritize filling your cup back up and doing things such as number two working on your mental hygiene and habits so what are your thinking habits where are they limiting you how can you kind of reduce the risk to your mental health by thinking and believing things that are empowering to what you want to do, who you want to be, how you want to feel. Trying to catch yourself if you're ruminating in the past and become more future focused by coming back to the present moment. By practicing this mental flexibility in this way, you're gonna be working on your self-esteem. Just by prioritizing your self-care, you're gonna be affirming to yourself that you are worthy. Remember to be kind to yourself. No matter what's happening, no matter how bad you feel or what you feel or what you think, you deserve to be kind to yourself in the same way that you'd be kind to others. The next tip was to journal and get those thoughts out of your head and onto paper, releasing all of that internal dialogue and chaos and just getting it out into words, releasing it simply as that or finding things, therefore discovering things that you would like to work further on. Surround yourself with a community that picks you up and strengthen your connections. So find those people who make you feel most comfortable, most valued, who listen to you and take your concerns seriously. And find more of those people. Nourish those friendships. Find like-minded people. Whether that's through a peer support group, an online community, a business group, finding new friends, starting a new um, hobby or activity. Find your tribe of people. Next was emotional self-care. So allowing yourself to feel whatever you're feeling, process those emotions by labeling them, be specific about them and allow them to be there without avoiding, numbing or escaping. And of course, taking care of your physical health, looking after that sleep, exercising, nourishing meals, prioritizing and exploring ways you can nourish your gut health and gut microbiome. Maybe listening back if you haven't already to previous episodes of this season. If you haven't listened, if there was some that you missed out, then maybe that's part of your self-care practice, listening to podcasts that fill your cup back up, that build those connections to yourself. Most importantly, ask for help when you need it. It is okay to not be okay. Be kind. Reach out to either a mental health professional, maybe get some coaching, maybe go to your GP or just speak to friends and family about how you're feeling. You are never alone. Thank you so, so much for listening and joining me on the wonderful ride that has been season two of the Curiosity Club podcast. Season three is already in the making, so I will be back very, very soon. Be sure to sign up to the Curiosity Club newsletter. You can find the link in this episode description so that you are the first to know when season three is dropping along with some very exciting up and coming news for future events and lots of happenings that are coming going beyond the podcast if you are not following us on instagram yet come and find us over there again i'll link it in the uh, episode description or you can find us by searching the curiosity club underscore if you haven't done so already then don't forget to vote for us in the creative impact awards under the best podcast category
If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave a rating and review letting me know what your biggest takeaways were. I love reading each and every one. Thank you to Simprove for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget that you can get 15% off with discount code CuriosityClub15. As we're all curious folk around here, why not head over to simprove.com to find out more. Until next time, stay curious.